Hey everybody, welcome back to Simply Holy Living, a practical guide for living the open-handed life every day. And we are now in the third week of First Fruits and we are working our way up, counting our way up to Pentecost, that day when the Holy Spirit was given. It's gonna be so amazing to experience this this year, I think. But we have been just sort of steeping in the resurrection and I hope that this has been as helpful to you as it has been to me. It has completely, I don't know, it's, it's just slowed me down so much and I've just been, you know, sort of savoring every instance that happened between the resurrection and Pentecost. So we haven't gotten very far in our story. Actually, we know that Jesus raised from the dead on Easter. We know that the women were at the tomb and they left there afraid yet filled with joy and that you know the just feeling those two same thing those two things at the same time i got tongue twisted there but then we also talked about mary and her experience mary magdalene and her experience of being so in her grief and in her sorrow and in her pain that she couldn't even recognize jesus until he called her name you know until he cut through that fear and all of that panic and was able to speak to her true identity who she really was and you know we're only to now sunday night actually in our story you know we've talked about a, a lot of different things but actually what happens is later on on sunday night Jesus comes and he appears to the disciples. I think it's all the disciples except for Thomas. And I just want to pick it up there and read to us um, from John 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And actually, this exact same thing happens um, a week later, because you know, the story, you'll know it, we're gonna talk more about this part of the story later on this week with Thomas, how you know, Thomas wasn't there, and so he didn't believe. I don't know what, I don't know what Thomas was feeling and what he went through, but this hit him hard, that you know, he was just not gonna believe until he saw. <laughs> like, I'm not doing it, I'm not gonna, I'm not risking it. So, well, you know, and I think that's very intriguing, but I think what's cool is that here's this second account a week later and Jesus does the exact same thing. If you pick it up in verse 26, it says a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And I just find this concept so intriguing that, you know, sometimes we can be so locked up. You know, they were so afraid of what was gonna happen to them that they had themselves shut up behind locked doors. But we do the exact same things today. Even though we know the end of the story, we know what happened to Jesus, we can get so caught up in our own fears of what's happening, our own grief and our own pain, that we are like behind a locked door in our heart. We have set up our self-protection and you are not getting in. You know, like I know how to protect myself from this again. And actually I think that's a little bit of what Thomas was doing was like, no, I'm not doing this again. I had put all my faith in this guy. And now, you know, I just, I can't go through that. I can't go through it again. You know, when you just can't be disappointed one more time. And I think many of us have experienced this when something has been going on in our life for so long and it has been so difficult that we just can't even picture that God 
could do anything about it, that God is even a good guy, honestly. We do not, we no longer believe that God has our best interest at heart. We have severed our connection. We can't feel him. We, we can't, you know, we just can't deal with it. We just can't deal with getting our hopes up again. And so we keep ourselves locked, locked up. And I, and sometimes it's not even that we are consciously doing that. It is that we are in a grip of fear. We are in Satan's stranglehold. He has got us like this. And I want to assure you that I have been there, disciple, if that is where you are. I have been in that exact place where you just feel like it's not a conscious choice. You just can't feel the presence of God. And you feel locked in a, you know, what, what is that? It's a stranglehold, is that what you call it? And I want to assure you that Jesus knows exactly how to get you out of that grip of fear. You know, earlier, Jesus had been warning the disciples that this was going to happen. But, you know, it was so hard for them to picture. It was so hard for them to picture what was going to happen. But if you go back a couple of chapters in John, in, verse, in chapter 16, verse um, 32, it says, A time is coming. In fact, it has come. Because this was very close. This was on the night he was going to be betrayed. It says, "Where A time is coming, and in fact, has come, when you will be scattered, each of you to your own home, you will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. This is such a powerful thing to meditate on because if you think about what Jesus is saying here, he's saying, you know, actually you're all gonna betray me. He was already preparing himself and them that they were gonna leave him all alone. You know, there are gonna be times in our life, disciple, where we are gonna be left all alone. And that could be actually true. There could be times, yes, even as a disciple, even in the kingdom of God, where we are going to feel all alone. And we may be betrayed. We may be betrayed by everyone we know. Jesus was. Why would we think it's going to be different? Why would we think, you know, but, well, I thought this, you know, we started these, you know, I thought this was the kingdom. Well, I thought these people were disciples. Well, I thought, why did you think that? Why did you let yourself think that when our Lord himself was betrayed by everyone? We can't have some expectation in the kingdom that we are going to live betrayal free, that we are surrounded by people who are not going to hurt us. We are going to be hurt in the kingdom. We are going to be betrayed in the kingdom. We are going to be left on our own in the kingdom. For crying out loud, Jesus went to pray with his best friends and they fell asleep. They were not there for him. But Jesus says, but my father will be there. My father will be there. And he knew that's all I need. 
I do not need everyone to be for me all the time. I do not need everyone to hold my hand and be by my side the whole time. It is enough that God is there. God is enough. Jaira. <laughs> that, I don't know if you've heard that song, but oh my gosh, it's one of my favorite songs. He is enough. God is enough. Abraham said it. The Lord is my portion, right? Later on, Paul talks about how you know, everyone deserted him, but the Lord stood by my side. That's what he said. You know, all of these great men have modeled for us that in our times of grief, we can blame other people for not being there for us. We can blame shift, which I have done many times. Again, I feel like apologizing to everyone I know. I'm so sorry. I've done that many times where the fear has gripped my heart so heavy where I've been, you know, and I'm just projecting out. But Jesus and Abraham and Paul, they have all modeled for us that sometimes it's God alone. Abraham was called to sacrifice his only son for crying out loud. How many of us would say God is enough? <laughs> Man, that is a high call, is it not, disciple? But I don't want us to look at this and go, that's too hard. That The sacrifice is too much. I just can't. I'm not Jesus. I mean, there's so many times where I've actually found myself saying that, like, God, I am not Jesus. I can't do it. You know, the sacrifice, you know, the feelings. But it's this next part that gives us our strength. It says, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You know, Jesus can walk through that locked door, disciple. I don't care how gripped you are in Satan's grip. I don't care how stuck you are. I don't care what the combination is. God knows the combination to your lock. He has the key to your lock. But we have to let him come in. You know, I hope that whatever fear you're in, that God, um, that you will let God in, that you will see that Jesus can come through that locked door. And he is enough. Even if only Jesus sat with you in your struggle, in your pain, in your loneliness, in your betrayal, even if only Jesus was there, it would be enough because he overcame the whole world. Take heart, disciple. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that encouraging? It's so amazing. But then the other thing that this led me to was the thought of, you know, when is it that I, I started thinking about, you know, here, here these disciples are. They are very in touch with their need. <laughs> they are very in touch with their fear. They are very in touch with their condition. They know. They are on their knees. They are praying. They are just gathering together, um, waiting on the Lord. And Jesus comes through. But what about the time where Jesus stands at the door and knocks? You remember this story? Like, why is it that in the other story, Jesus stands at the door and knocks? He doesn't just come on in. <laughs> and this can be found in Revelation 3. You remember this church, the church of Laodicea? It says, this is in verse 14. These are the words 
of the amen, the faithful, the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you're neither hot, you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either, either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, well, I, I'm rich. I've acquired wealth. I do not need anything. But you do not realize that you are wretched and pitiful, poor and blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. <laughs> wow. Okay, so this is quite something, right? So we know that there's these disciples and something has happened to them to where they don't see their need. <laughs> they don't see the need. You know, if you listen to Bema, uh, Marty Solomon, of course, does this incredible study on Revelation. I could never, I'm not even, I'm, I, have, I don't even know a fingernail of what he shared. And he does this great, great um, lesson about what that means to be hot and cold and all that. And, but that's not the part of the story that I'm interested in today. The part of the story that I'm interested in today is that these people had lost touch with their need for God. Far from what the disciples felt in the resurrection, they knew they needed God. They knew they had no idea what the future held. They had no illusions that they knew what to do. They had, <laughs> they definitely knew I have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what's going on. And that put them on their knees. But these people, they didn't see the need. They had lost touch with the need. I have no doubt that at one point in their life, they were like those people on their knees. I have no doubt. But at this point in their life, they didn't realize that they had become too, they had cleaned up too much for their own good. They had become too rich for their own good, but rich with what? You know, sometimes we don't realize just how dependent we've become on something. You know, I remember um, a while back, I my phone broke. <laughs> and, um, you know, I had, the, if you, it, you, some of you are so young, you can't even remember before, you know, we really had phones. And uh, there was a time in this great history of ours in America where we actually didn't have cell phones. We had phones that had a little wire on it and, and you had to hold it like this. That's why when people do the phone, they do it like that. And um, I remember cell phones were becoming popular and I was like, oh, I don't want a cell phone, man. I don't, I don't want people to know how to get a hold of me all the time. <laughs> Spoken like a true introvert, you know, I was like, there's times I don't want people to be able to get a hold of me. I don't want, you know, I don't want to have that. So I resisted and resisted and resisted. My, my husband had a phone and, you know, everybody else had a phone, but I was like, I don't want one. I just, I got my violin, I'm good. <laughs> And so if I want to communicate with people, I use the landline or, you know, Jay would, Jay would be the one that people would get a hold of. But finally, I was like, well, I can put it off no longer because I was really staying in the dark ages. And so I got a phone. Well, now 
fast forward up to my life, you know, I think it was actually only last year that my, I had, I had, you know, my phone had stopped working. So I had to go and get a new one. Well, in the meantime, my phone was just down. It was dead. I had nothing. And what I didn't realize is how dependent I had become on that phone. I mean, I couldn't even sit at the Apple store because I was like, I, I, you know, I, I wanted to go and do my grocery store or my, my grocery run, but my grocery list was on my phone. And then I was like, well, I'm going to, you know, maybe I could have a, uh, you know, I could have an appointment. I could have, well, my calendar was on my phone. Um, and all my phone numbers were on my phone. I didn't have anybody's numbers memorized anymore. Who does? I mean, I can barely remember three phone numbers in my brain. I mean, everything is on my my phone is my brain outside of my body everything is on my phone and it was just amazing i sat there at the apple store and i had a conversation with a real person the other person that was sitting there without their phone we all sort of like were like wow i guess we could have conversations like people used to have <laughs> the point is i become so dependent on my phone i didn't even realize it and what I read here is these people had become so dependent upon their riches that they didn't see the need. They said, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth and I don't need a thing. But God was counseling them and he was saying, you don't realize that you are wretched and pitiful and poor and blind and naked. He was telling them those riches that you think you have, they're not riches, <laughs> you're poor. You are poor, you are spiritually poor, and how many times do we have to see it? Where no matter how much money we have, it's not enough. It doesn't scratch the itch. It doesn't do what we thought it would do. It doesn't make us happy. I can be rich and I can be poor, and I can be discontent in either situation. I have found that there are stingy rich people and I have found that there are stingy poor people. And I am both of those people at the same time because my riches do not scratch my spiritual itch. <laughs> you know, when we start to count on our vacations and our 401ks and our the condition of our home and how well we're keeping up with the Joneses, right? We know that we are becoming dependent upon the wrong things. And pretty soon we're gonna, I don't see the need. We're so busy taking care of our material possessions, we don't have time for God. We don't have time. I mean, how much time do we actually have? I feel like I'm begging people around here just to give God an hour on Sundays. Just to give people an hour. I mean, just to give God an hour. Because they're so busy going to the beach and going on their vacations and doing their stuff. Because they're trying, they're rich. And they don't see the need. This is a wake-up call, guys. And he says, you are you, you don't see that you are wretched and pitiful and poor and blind and naked. You know, people don't think, we don't think we're blind. You know, sometimes our vision can be going badly for so long that we don't realize somewhere along the way, man, I can't see a thing. You know, and then we go to the, we go to, you know, get our new prescription and it's like way worse than we thought, you know, because we just gotten used to it. So he counsels them. He says, I counsel you to buy from me. It's gonna cost you something 
This relationship with God is going to cost you something. Buy from me gold refined by fire. You know, the riches that give back. That thing where you have this relationship with God and it wouldn't matter how much money you have, you wouldn't trade it for a billion trillion dollars. You could not get me to trade in what I have in my relationship with God. It is everything. It is the field. I saw the treasure in the middle of the field and I sold everything I had to buy it. When you really get God and a relationship with him, that is all you want. You make your whole life revolve around that. And the money that you get is just a means to a spiritual end. And then he says, to buy white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness. Sometimes we don't even see our own depravity. We think, no, I got this, I got this. You don't got this. <laughs> you need clothes that God makes. What? Clothe yourself, clothe yourself with compassion and patience and kindness and gentleness. We buy our clothes from God. We clothe ourselves in him. And salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. You're not even seeing straight, he says. You know, when we can't see our need from God, for God, when we've gone from being these guys on their knees behind locked doors to where we're like, you know, we don't even need to lock the door because we don't quite see what's going on. We don't see the need. Jesus has to knock on that door because our hearts are so full, full of other things. So I ask you today, disciple, is God on the outside of your heart knocking to get in because you're so full of all the stuff that this world has to offer that he has to knock just to get a, a, a response that he has to Ask kindly just to get a couple hours out of your week so that he could spend some time with you, that you're eking out 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there. Well, I had quiet time. Well, I'm, I'm having quiet time in my car on the way to work. I, you know, that's, you know, I just don't have time. Or, well, you know, I'm just, we've got all these plans on the weekend. I can't, you know, I don't know, Friday night's a little too much. Sunday night's, I mean, Sunday isn't too much. I don't, I don't know. Wait, I, it, I'll check my schedule. You know, so busy and so, uh, you know, clogged up with stuff of this world and your schedule is so intense with work and with pleasure that you can't, you can't eke out the time for your small group, for time for other people to study the Bible with people, to preach the word, to pass on the message, to be evangelistic, to share your faith. Does Jesus have to knock because you're so busy? doing your own thing. You know, these are two different reasons that Jesus would be on the outside of our heart when we're gripped with fear. But sometimes we've just got a full heart, you know. It's really hard to pour more water into a cup that's already full. We have to empty out our hearts so that Jesus can come in and fill it, right? Where is Jesus today? with your heart. This is a great time to take inventory. Why is he knocking? Or does he just need to come in because you're behind a locked door? And I know that this is probably a lot to think about, but that's what God put on my heart to say today. So I hope this, 
I hope this helps you to see yourself more clearly and to see your relationship with God more clearly. Until next time.